at episode 51 of Friends and Film, a podcast talking about new news and theatrical releases. I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. On this episode, we're going to talk about trailers for John Wick 2 and Blade Runner 2049, Denis Villeneuve, new directing Dune, and more, all before we review three recent releases. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends and Film. Josh? Hello, everyone, and I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and are having a Happy Boxing Day. Yeah. Uh, you were mentioning Boxing Day to me, and I was like, I don't know what Boxing Day is, but... Okay, well, I didn't know what it was either. I didn't expect you to ask <laughs> me, but it turns out it's basically like the second day, or like the it's the day after Christmas celebration, uh, and then somehow in translation, it got warped to Boxing Day, so it's like Christmas hangover. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So fun facts for everybody. I hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, we are recording on Christmas Eve, so we have not actually experienced Christmas, but we are sure it's going to be wonderful as oh, always. Yeah. Uh, watched any movies this week? Uh, more so than usual, my friend. Okay. Uh, I mean, I kind of, my version of Blitz the Theater was I got three new ones out this week, which I was very, very impressed with myself to get done. <laughs> um, and then caught back up on rogue one and i have one final thing to say about okay. it that really kind of made me feel different about these anthology movies going forward and it's that this star wars is not a blink and you miss it type movie where it all happens over like super fast scene to scene to scene it's nice and slow and builds and i really appreciated that this time around uh so going forward i'm really excited about it yeah i've seen it uh, three times now uh, in theaters in regular IMAX 3D and 3D formats, so pretty much any format you can mm-hmm. imagine. Uh, I've liked it just as much every single time. Uh, definitely the third time, though, I was just like kind of waiting for the end. Just like, Come yeah, on, just you get know there. it's coming. Just get there. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've watched uh, outside of the three uh, movies we're going to review, which are Manchester by the Sea, Passengers, and Assassin's Creed. Busy week of uh, movie watching for me as well. Uh, I watched uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil this week. What's uh, that? Oh, it's it's with Alan Tudyk. And uh, it's him and Tyler Labine. And it's a horror comedy where it's basically... Oh, that could be good. It's basically where they're two hillbillies. And they're like... They go up to an old cabin that they just oh, bought. And a girl is like in the lake and she falls, knocks her head unconscious. And they like save her. Right. But all of her like college friends just see them pulling her into... A, a boat unconscious and then they all freak out thinking they're just like crazy hillbillies trying to kill and kidnap everybody oh, and <laughs> then it's it's a war between the hillbillies and the college guys and it's it's so funny <laughs> it's just like the complete like reverse of yeah. everything where the college people are actually like the bad guys and then you're like oh like these guys are just like innocent like they're just mm-hmm. misunderstood guys and you're just right. like stop stop being mean <laughs> to them but it's it's really really funny uh it's on amazon prime oh I hey believe. so if you okay, have amazon prime check it out i also watched angry birds the movie and? uh didn't like it it kind of uh i, I felt insulted <laughs> oh i thought it was so cool because it's just like there's nothing for anybody like to me that is like trying to appease anybody over the age of like five years old okay yeah because it's, it's not like, very smart writing it's just like yeah it, there's just there's nothing extra there whereas like in recent years, anime movies have kind of gone to the next level mm-hmm. in their storytelling and been kid-friendly, but have deeper, more insightful themes. And this is just like, yeah, true. nope, 
we're just gonna we're gonna be the game and i was yep. like I, I i don't like this um <laughs> i watched macbeth and lead up for assassin's creed oh that's it's right yeah justin curzel who's the, who directed both fast bender and cotillard uh similar feelings on both movies uh so i'll get more into i guess this one later sure uh Watch Dune because we're going to talk yeah, about that for the first time. For story. Uh, then a couple of just comedies to end out the year: uh, Bruce Almighty and Elf, obviously Classics. because absolutely uh, it's Christmas time. So really, really funny movie. I just love it. Uh, but anyways, let's get to some news. If you want to skip to our reviews, there'll be a timestamp in the description of this video. Um, but hopefully, you will stick around because we got a couple of Star Wars topics to start with in the flyby. According to Michael Fassbender, uh, he said on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast that he was up for a role in Star Wars Episode Seven. Ooh! So, what would you have liked to see Fassbender be in Episode Seven, or just any Star Wars movie? And if he was going to be in Episode Seven, what role do you think he would have been? Um, okay, well, absolutely. I mean, Michael Fassbender in any movie is going to make it better, yep. uh, regardless of where he's at. Uh, but thinking about where he would fit in. The only other character I could imagine him being is General Hux. Yeah. Played by uh, Domo Gleason. And after seeing Gleason's performance in that, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad Fassbender didn't get it. <laughs> but him popping up anywhere else would be super great for the franchise, I think. Yeah, I'd love to see him as a Sith Lord or some. Just, I don't think he would have been the right fit for Kylo. Um, no. Maybe if Snoke wasn't a complete CG person, he could have been an interesting choice there. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I would love to see Fastbender get a role in Star Wars moving forward. And they say that they're going to continue these on forever, so there should be uh, plenty of time for that to actually happen. Oh yeah, definitely. Or some kind of Imperial general that we haven't yeah. seen before, because he would certainly fit that mold exactly. Perfectly. Uh, but keeping with Star Wars, a report from Making Star Wars has pointed to a couple of new creatures making their way to Episode Eight. Uh, as the guardians of sorts of the uh, planet of Octo. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's the planet with all the islands that Luke Skywalker's on at the end of Episode 7. And they reported that there's going to be a puffin-like creature with razor-sharp teeth, and it's a mix between a bird and a gremlin and a Furby. (laughs) And it just sounds super interesting. Uh, Then there's also going to be a sea monster that... Ray oh, is going to have to fight, and I'm just already looking forward to that scene because that just sounds awesome. We have never seen a sea monster before. I mean, like we've had like those eerie ones like floating around Dagobah that we never get an awesome look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no, we have seen sea well, monsters. We saw, like, Episode one's yeah, got full that, of sea monsters. That really count though. But that thing is cruel. What if it's yeah. one of those things? I, I want more like the uh, what is it? The Loch Ness monster. No, like the the alien that's in the Guardians two trailer, something like that with like multiple oh, tentacles. Oh, like we're talking trying like to get her. Uh, yeah, Kraken want, type thing. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if start. I mean, I gotta see. Something. I want to see something a little different. Because, uh, yeah, I don't want the exact same thing, but yeah. just something octopus like. Hmm. I'm thinking more dragon, but okay. these that would be cool. But I'm so glad they're getting the cute little indigenous creatures out of the way in episode eight and not saving them for the you know episode nine right. well, to help save the day yeah plus it doesn't sound like too big of a role they're supposedly the like protectors of the island and they've, okay they've allowed luke to stay there oh that's um, nice so i don't and the like ray fighting that beast is like 
potentially her way of proving that she also deserves to stay Rite there passage. and train with Luke potentially. So hmm. uh, it's also going to the, the, uh, the puffin like creatures are going to be practical. They're puppets. So that's always nice yes. to see as well. Um, but the more exciting episode eight news is that we have somewhat of an idea of when we're going to get a trailer. Uh, as Kathleen Kennedy says, we will get our first trailer in the spring. So not a definitive statement of, this is the exact day you're going to see episode mm-hmm. eight footage, but we now have a general idea. When do you think that means? I think I've said this before, but I we should probably look uh, around Star Wars Celebration D23 or um, the early throws of Comic-Con announcements. So... Uh, yeah, that spring sounds about right. But then again, you know, it could just be wake up one morning and then Good Morning America is dropping out, uh, you know, the the full trailer for you, ready to go. So exactly. Uh, but I think that gives it time for Rogue One to finally die off. You know, get its release out on DVD and then that won't be out on DVD by then. By spring? No way. Rogue One won't be. I mean, Dude, we got it, Star Wars in. It'll it'll March. end its. Episode we got episode seven in like March. Really? Oh, yeah. I guess that's true because I got it for my birthday. That seems that seems soon though, because normally like a movie's in theaters for like three months or so, and then they do the DVD release like a couple months after. I don't know. Maybe I mean that it definitely could be, but yeah, I think well, I think Star Celebration is uh, is going to be in Orlando this year. It's going to be at the end of April, I believe. Uh, so I think that's probably the target date you release it then. Then you can have it attached to Guardians 2 a couple weeks later. It makes a lot of sense. Personally, I'd love to see a teaser trailer at the Super Bowl, like right before Beauty oh, and the Beast be or something, but that doesn't appear to be their plan, unfortunately. I'm just, I'm just dying to see something from this movie. Yeah, Ryan John- I've been following Ryan Johnson on Twitter as he you know, goes through the editing process of this. And uh, if, you're, if you want a good laugh um, about all the things that he's got going on there, I definitely recommend you should uh, pick up on that. Yeah, but let's move to some bigger news stories. And there's nothing quite as big as emojis. And we got our first teaser <laughs> for the emoji movie. Um all I gotta say is meh. <laughs> yeah, because that's the that's the star of this one. Um, uh, I mean, there's not much here, other than we kind of get to see the direction of uh, how this is gonna play out. Emojis are their personality all the time, and T.J. Miller's is gonna malfunction. Yeah, he's like a glitch, so he can do whatever. Uh, I still don't. I don't love the idea of this movie. I the trailer itself was kind of dumb yeah really dumb. dumb very dumb um i did kind of like the way that they had it vertically so it looked like it was on a phone mm-hmm. um but yeah i think starting off your marketing with the met emoji uh is a pretty good indicator i think of what they think <laughs> of this movie uh then they try to make like a poop emoji joke at the very end yep. and you're just like that didn't work right so i i don't have a lot of confidence in this movie so uh, it's all going to hinge on them kind of like Wreck-It Ralphing it where we have to believe that there's this universe inside of the keyboard or the phone. Yeah. And so far, oh, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, you know, that Grimace-like face. Like, yeah, I, I'm definitely not a believer in uh, Textropolis, I believe is what it's called. <laughs> so that tells you anything. But let's move to an actual good trailer. We got our second trailer for John Wick Chapter mm, 2. Holy smokes, we did. And, yeah, he is he's back killing people, 
headshots left and right. Uh, I I can't wait for this movie. Oh my goodness, this this scene near the middle. Uh, after Lawrence Fishburne's like, give that guy a gun. The next thing you know, it's all one shot where Wick is in this party and he just drops yeah. six or seven people right in a row, and it's like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. this is so epic. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't expect to be excited for this, but uh, after I saw the first one and then. The subsequent trailers uh, looks uh, fantastic. Ro- Ruby Rose looks like she's ready to kick some serious butt in this. Uh, we got a little bit of plot, too. A little bit. So it's it's going to be John Wick kind of being reluctant to stay in this world. And then uh, they hire, they put out a hit on him. So then it's all the other best assassins yeah. going after John Wick. That sounds like a great premise to me. Uh, yeah, I liked the way Ruby Rose, she's... Uh, She's mute, so she can't talk, so she signs. I'm mm-hmm. just going to see how they'll do the the subtitles, if it will be the same, like, if I have the same look as it did uh, in the trailer. But, yeah, I think I'm I'm totally on board for this movie. Yeah, and then there's this awesome, I think it's Lawrence Fitzborne again, where he's talking to John Wick out in the middle of, like, a square in mm-hmm. Rome, and then all of a sudden everyone just freezes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, they're all in on this because there's no way Lawrence Fishburne's using mental powers to freeze everybody Professor X style. So I am so down for this, man. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And another trailer looked just as awesome was the first teaser trailer for Blade Runner 2049 directed by Denis Villeneuve starring Ryan Gosling. Harrison Ford's back as Rick Deckard. What'd you think of it? Um, it, it, it had everything you needed to see in a Blade Runner trailer. Uh, the super urbanized environment, um, the piano from Deckard, then, of course, Deckard himself with his famous pistol. Uh, just really, really interesting uh, about how they're going to take this. Mm-hmm. Because Ryan Gosling at the end of this trailer is like, Things were simpler then, and nothing was simple in the first right. one. So, like, what's going on? Well, there's supposedly like some he uncovers something that will like change the world or something. It's very vague, but it's like okay, that's a premise I can kind of get behind. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just the, the biggest takeaway for me was just how perfect of a pairing Denis Villeneuve and Roger Deakins are for a Blade Runner movie. I mean, the movie just looks gorgeous. There's just so many great shots. I mean, the one of Gosling just walking through the all-orange desert, mm-hmm. the huge like uh, head that's been like crushed on one side. Uh, I mean, there's just there's just great stuff constantly throughout this. And yeah, you don't get much of the plot outside. You know, okay, Gosling's looking for uh, Ford. They end up finding each other again. What happens then? I have no idea, but I'm already sold on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So I'm totally on board for this movie. And I mean, Villeneuve can really do no wrong in my book. I still need to catch up on a couple of his uh, movies, but uh, he is quickly becoming yeah. one of, if not my favorite directors after currently I, working. After I walked away from Arrival, I, this the hype for this, which was already pretty high for me, just, you know, it went through the roof. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be a worthy successor to... Uh, our first Blade Runner. Yeah. And speaking of Villeneuve, it's because of his involvement that I uh, was super excited for this news as well. Variety is reporting that he is in early talks to do a reboot of Dune. Uh, he's oh. previously called it a dream project. I'd never seen the movie until this was announced. And then I watched it uh, that night. Uh, it's really quirky. The, well, the original one is uh, 
and I'm on board for this completely. If you told me uh, back when we started this podcast that by the end of the year we'd be talking about a Dune reboot, <laughs> which uh, in my mind back then was just an obscure book that I was given in like sixth grade from my science teacher once he said once he found out I like I love Star Wars he's like oh well you'll love this type of book <laughs> and it's okay uh, but there's but you attach Villeneuve to this crazy space fantasy universe where there's all these awesome kind of parallels and uh, so many great opportunities to uh, you know make it something special uh, and I am just I'm so down for this especially I mean with his storytelling ability and oh man uh, so you saw the movie I've seen David Lynch's movie I've not read the any of uh, Frank Herbert's books about it yeah but yeah I mean this the 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 scale of David Lynch's movie impressed me for one as a being made in 84 but I mean there's just so much practical sets mm-hmm. uh, just the scale of it is uh, just enormous. There's some very cool like visual stuff. Uh, the just the idea behind the book uh, now seems kind of played out a lot. The, the chosen one uh, cliche, but yeah, I think uh, the 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 first movie by David Lynch is not is not a perfect movie. I know there's people who absolutely love it. Uh, maybe if I watch it more, I could maybe I might be one of those people. But mm-hmm. uh, for me. It's, it's the movie was at its best when it was focusing on Paul, uh, who's played by Kyle Chandler or not Kyle Chandler, <laughs> Kyle <laughs> McLaughlin, uh, as you know, basically the chosen one as the son of the house of, uh, Trades. But, uh, I think, I think there's a lot more they can do. And for me, David Lynch's movie, I don't know if it, it if the events played exactly like the book, but I think they could have split it up into two movies, uh, and focus and like kind of build up that chosen one uh, mythology oh, and like yeah. all like the legend behind it and then like kind of you you set up the struggle that the whole galaxy is going through right from the get-go and then by like the end of the first movie Paul is born movie number two is Paul training and like rising as like an heir to the throne of Atreides and then eventually finding out he's basically the chosen one rising to power and starting this revolution and then you can go on with the franchise as whatever else happens in the books yeah it's very much like a if i if if i'm not sure how the movie played it out but it's very if i remember correctly it's very much like a uh what's the name of that family gets stranded upon an island and they like basically master the island and then when it comes time for them to leave they leave I want to say it's like a Robinsons, but that doesn't sound right. I I don't know. Okay, but yeah, basically this, because they get sent to the. I mean, the whole the the great idea about this is this one planet controls all of the resource that runs. All the spice. Yes, that runs like the light speed or their hyperspace or that's for space travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so all of the, they could like totally bring in like all of these factions and these these political geopolitical elements that could uh you know create so many awesome plot lines to um uh you know make an awesome trilogy an awesome movie however they would want to do it uh so this all this all sounds really cool yeah uh, and now i'm i'm so down to go see this 
this movie that they put out for it. Without seeing the movie, uh, are there any uh, characters that you can already kind of maybe get an idea of who you'd want to see in those roles? There, if I, I'm going to totally blow, if I can get this wrong, but there's the faction that takes over the planet from Paul's family. Uh, it's controlled by like the space trading corpses emperor. Does that sound right? Yeah, the emperor. Yeah, yeah. I could see him being. I mean, I don't know if it's just because I've got um, Ben Mendelsohn in my head right now, but I could totally see him playing this space emperor. Interesting. I think. But that's for everybody else. My my one that or the, there's two that I'm. Kind of, I'm like I could, I could definitely see this happening. Mm-hmm. I would be the parents of Paul in the movies, at least. Uh, the dad looks a lot like Hugh Jackman. Uh, uh-huh. Villeneuve has worked with Hugh Jackman before with Prisoners. Bingo! I think that would be a great fit. And then he's again worked with Amy Adams before. I think both of them kind of have that that they can have that regalness about them to yeah. be a leader of an entire planet or faction or whatever sure. um and then for paul because he he has to be kind of like he has to look the part of the chosen one in a certain sense yeah um so i think ansel elgort would be a uh, interesting choice because he's like he's like six four he's tall he's a good looking guy uh so he can i think he can pull that off uh he hasn't really had kind of that breakout role like fault in our stars is probably uh his biggest role to date uh but he's going to be an edgar wright's baby driver next year uh i do like that I, so i, I think th- I, c- I think it was either him or like i was like oh maybe josh hutcherson but i was like hutcherson's like five six so he doesn't mm-hmm. have that he doesn't have that prince sure quality about yeah. him um but I, yeah i think as i'll go would do a pretty good job uh, with this and like kyle mclaughlin's a great like is a really good actor but i mean he's not like a leading he's not a leading man on the yeah. big screen nowadays and I don't, I don't know if El Gord is either but I think this would be a good opportunity to kind of oh, yeah. see what he can do because they like they if I remember correctly Paul leads like this army because the, the, the planet's like a desert planet that's why it's called Dune yeah and he leads like this army of uh, people against the faction that takes over the planet and can starts to control all the spice and like these people are like kind of like barbarian type types uh, so it's gonna pit them against like this futuristic armada is that this all does that all sound much in line yeah okay yeah so the oh yeah, yeah. there's so many cool things they yeah. can do here there's uh there's two other roles I, I think uh would be very cool as well i don't know the people's names uh from the movie or like even their character names but there's mm-hmm. like this if you watch the movie there's this like space i don't think he's the emperor he might be but uh he's like giant guy he's got boils all over his face he can like levitate and stuff it's really weird um I but remember him. uh i think uh john goodman in that role would kill it absolutely uh and Ooh. then there's this like w- witch prophecy girl uh that eventually is the role that uh, uh paul's mother takes like okay as like yeah the i don't know i don't know what they are but they're like kind of like the prophets or what they like look over the kingdom i don't know yeah the the but, tribe shaman or something yeah like but that. she yeah but she was bald and i immediately thought of Tilda swain because oh, she would just please. kill it in that as well so yeah i think 
I given Villeneuve's record, uh, track record, I think he's going to be able to land a really incredible cast for this. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this movie. Surprisingly, even yeah. though a couple of days ago I knew nothing about it. I I didn't. I never thought we'd ever be talking about this. And the fact that you mentioned this was a passion project of his means that it's going to get done right. Yeah. And uh, so it, I mean, it'll either be something you're about or something you're not about uh, going forward. Yep. But awesome. Moving to some bigger franchises uh, as of right now, uh, Two Fab has reported that Keira Knightley will reprise her role as Elizabeth Swan in Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales, uh, the fifth Pirates movie. Apparently, the role is merely a cameo of sorts, uh, with it being a post-credit-like scene uh, where her, Depp, and Bloom share the screen once again in what sets up a sixth movie Hmm. so even if that is not the case uh, i guess we'll operate under the assumption that it is do you like the idea of keir knightley returning for pirates 5 what do you think it means for this movie and future movies oh i mean you definitely have to have her back uh whether um you got orlando bloom in on this or not like these three were like the the whole by the holy trinity of Disney action movies in the early mid two thousands. Yeah, whenever they cropped up, uh, and seeing that they're gonna bring it all full circle and hopefully end the Pirates of the Caribbean saga with a sixth film. Uh, hopefully, sounds sounds about right. I love them, but they need to stop eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah I like this news uh, as somebody who watched the Pirates movie for the first time this year. That's right. Um, the fourth movie did not do anything for me, really. You weren't a fan of Stranger Tides. Not really, because I, I missed Bloom and Knightley but a that's, lot. But that's all Depp, man. Oh, I man. know. Okay. <laughs> I like Depp, but I also I like him bouncing off of Keira Knightley and Bloom in these movies. Okay. Uh, sure. And that's why I think one is my favorite of those movies because it's so much him and Bloom together, and then mm-hmm. eventually Keir Knightley gets brought into it as well. But I think this just basically confirms a lot of suspicions that that guy in the jail cell in the trailer is going to be the son of Keir Knightley and Orlando Bloom. Yeah. And that final scene will probably be them reuniting as a family again, and it'll set up the sixth film to hope be the ending or it'll launch like a, another yeah. <laughs> new section of the films where he'll be the focus. And right. it's like, I don't care. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, I think this is great news just because we're going to get back to the greatest hits of Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, and I guess I do have to agree with you that j- it's great to see Johnny Depp, uh, Jack Sparrow, you know, be the sole crazy part of a film and then everyone else is just trying to catch up with like what the heck is this guy doing yeah. so yeah just for me it got it got a little repetitive at points where it's like i've seen jack sparrow do this stuff like mm-hmm. give me something new and then like i like penelope cruz but them two together i didn't buy as much like their chemistry as much as uh debt being with knightley and bloom so yeah i I like this edition. Hopefully, uh, it, I, I'll be shocked if this doesn't happen. Even if they didn't report on this, I would have assumed she was going to be in it some capacity. Same here. But we got other another uh, confirmations of people are going to appear in Justice League. Uh, the cast just grows bigger and bigger. 
every other week. Uh, Warner Brothers has now confirmed that Jesse Eisenberg will reprise his role as Lex Luthor and that Connie Nielsen will play, once again, the mother of Wonder Woman, Hippolyta, and the guardian of Themyscira. Uh, so... Do you like that both of these people are going to be in Justice League? What do you think their roles are going to be? Well, I think it makes a ton of sense to have them in there. I There's no way I thought we would not see Lex Luthor crop up in Justice League just because he seemed to have a lot of information on what was going to happen. Um, and we saw him messing around with the mother boxes and this deleted Justice League scene with Stefan Wolf. Um, and if that's the case and the mother boxes... Uh, are in fact the big plot point then of course the amazons have to be brought in because they have one right uh i don't know if they still do i guess we'll we'll find out on wonder woman most likely but i think at least at one point they did Mm -hmm. so yeah i think this this isn't really surprising on either end uh i kind of hope lex doesn't have a big role and be like Oh, I broke out of jail, and now I'm going to go help <laughs> Steppenwolf, and I'm going to tell him all your secrets. And you're just like, you're just unnecessary. Um, and then, yeah, Connie Nielsen coming back. I, you know, I haven't seen the movie. I think she'll do a great job as uh, Hippolyta. And, yeah, I think that her role will primarily be kind of like in the very beginning where they're setting up the idea of the mother boxes and showing, mm-hmm. okay, there's a mother box here, there's a mother box here, there's a mother box here how they became separated and then Steppenwolf will go to take them and that's where she'll maybe appear again in the present day. I don't know. But I think yeah, I think it's it's it makes sense for both of them to be in here. Even though again this just means there's like twenty five cast members yeah. in this movie. Which mm-hmm. can be done well if done right. I mean Civil War had a ton of people involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that movie, so if they can pull off something similar I'll have no problem. I just don't have necessarily that faith that what? it'll happen right now. I am struggling to get Wonder Woman's release date. It is uh, g- last week of June, or first week of June, 2017. Justice League's before that, then. Justice League is in uh, November. Okay. So there'll be some good continuity. Yeah. Uh, maybe so to I, see I, her prop up again. Yeah. So I, Wonder Woman will introduce Connie Nielsen. Uh, introduce them, scare up, maybe touch on the mother boxes, and then a couple months later we'll get Justice League, and then we'll get a lot more info on yeah. mother boxes specifically. Yeah. And so, then the future of the franchise as a whole. So, Yep. But that's it for the news. Light news week. Uh, so we're going to move on to a couple reviews that came out uh, for a movie that came out over the last week or so. Uh, first one we got Manchester by the Sea. Uh this movie I really liked. Uh, it's a, there's no denying it's a great film. Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites of the year. I think for me, maybe got overhyped a little bit because there was just so much praise. Like, it's gonna wreck you. You're gonna cry. It's just so emotional. And I was like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, it's just it's the most depressing movie you'll, you'll see all year. And like, you're gonna come out of it. And you'll never want to watch it again. I came out of it and I kind of wanted to see it again. Not because it wasn't like an enjoyable film, but uh, just to see maybe if I missed something, if there's yeah. just something more to it. Um, but there's no, like the, the performances across the board are all great from Kyle Chandler to uh, Casey Affleck mm-hmm. to even uh, Lucas Hedges and the girl's name. I'm totally Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams. Yes. Uh, all were great. 
who wasn't in it very much, by the no, way. No, which, which was that was sad. that was interesting to me because there was so much of like Michelle Williams kills in this movie. I was like, okay, like she must have a pretty big role. She has like five scenes, maybe like, like five minutes screen, five minutes screen time. Yeah, too. It's, it's not a lot. I mean, her her scenes are impactful and she does a great job in them. But yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be uh, more. It's a it's a great story uh, about dealing with grief and trying to overcome that but i think for me the thing that kind of kept this movie from like really blowing me away was upon reflecting on it, i was kind of thinking about the characters and for me all like this movie takes place where like they don't really say how like what the duration of this movie's uh events are but i would yeah. say it's probably close to a year uh because see, like they go through a couple like a semesters of school, like oh you mm-hmm. you don't have to move and all this stuff, uh, and throughout the whole thing, none of the characters really change. There's kind of the same throughout. And I was like, after dealing with this, you guys are trying to like, come to like resolution on how to move forward with this event, and nothing really happened until the very end. It's like, okay, everything changed, and now I'm gonna leave and you're gonna stay, and I, that didn't upon like thinking about it more, I was like, I wish they would have shown like how this death really affected them and really maybe like changed them or didn't change them or how they specifically overcame the event. Okay. Um, So maybe again, that's something I might catch more on this on a second viewing or something, but Mm -hmm. for now I'm going to give it four ticket stubs out of five. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, I think I would go ahead and, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on just about everything there. I really loved uh, Kenneth Loggins' visual style, and I know it sounds dumb um, because who pays attention to that? I mean, like, but everything is just bright, mm-hmm. clean. Um, the camera lingers. I mean, I can't imagine how many cuts there are in this movie, but it doesn't seem like there was no. a lot. Uh, and some of the funniest moments, and that's something I want to point out here. This is a very funny movie. Uh, it's very dark humor, mm-hmm. um, but. The, just like the camera lingering on Casey Affleck's incredulous looks uh, while he's trying to like, you know, think of something to say or the wrong thing to say. Uh, it was, I, I was really entertained by that. Um, the thing about it though, I think you r- really um, touched on was it seems like this movie takes place over a week or two weeks, but the seasons change. And like you said, at the end of it, it feels like we just went through a week with these guys, but the idea is that it's been, I think it's been like six months or something like that. Yeah, it's from been a while. middle school to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Casey Affleck, up until just about the very end, is very much the same guy. Uh, a little, little less self-concerning, but still um, wanting to look out for himself, not wanting to face some of the problems he has. But I did think he did a good job um especially with lucas hedges i think that he's gonna come out of this uh very sought very well sought after uh, i kept referring to him as mini matt damon through most <laughs> of the movie and I, maybe it's just the bostonian bostonian movies i just love them uh the accents and just like the <laughs> the aggressive attitude towards everything and like how unimpressed people seem to be about everything uh just I don't know. I just I found that totally awesome. And then Matthew Broderick, who I didn't know was in this movie, but when he showed up as Lucas Hedges' mom's fiance, mm-hmm. 
everyone in the theater is like, hey. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is great. He was a great cameo. Um, and so at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I would give it four out of five take a step as well. Uh, so, you know, it was a great movie, but I do think, like you said, maybe a little bit overhyped, but surely won't miss out during award season. No, definitely not. Yeah, I think if they had maybe tweaked the premise and ju- done just a week post the event and you're just like you just have to live through that and mm-hmm. then you get that backstory about Casey Affleck which was tragic oh my goodness uh, yeah. but yeah but then like there was nothing that kind of happened throughout the whole thing where they they became a different person or they moved past this event uh, or the event how like it showed how the event changed them outside of just okay well I moved here now I'm gonna move back and you're gonna live with these people mm-hmm. okay bye yeah it all it, it makes you think oh he's changing he's changing nope he's not doing it he quits yeah. and it was another thing too i want to say is the idea of um lucas hedge's character having a panic attack after seeing his chicken fall out of the freezer mm-hmm. and having that cause him to think about how his dad's still in the freezer through all of winter until spring was very good yeah like that worked it was something so subtle that i mean like it was just something so dumb chicken in a freezer Mm -hmm. and then immediately sparked that and then a really good scene between casey where he's just like i have no idea what to do with you right now man (laughs) i think it was more so that they like they just so easily fell out of the freezer we just like what if what if this happened to my dad what if he just fell out like what if like there's no like saying that he's going to be safe at this whole thing Mm -hmm. and like they kind of built it up with like I don't like the idea. I don't like this idea. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? And yeah. he's like, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that, that was the scene that worked uh, for me as well. Uh, let's move on to Passengers, the big sci-fi film of the winter season, I guess. Uh, well, I guess outside of Star Wars, but that's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, another one that uh, got, these next two got absolutely pretty much destroyed by critics across the board. Yeah. Um, and I'll just kind of say it here. I guess I don't agree with really either of, I don't think either of them are nearly as bad as the critics have uh, made them out to like kind of seem. Sure. Um, Passengers for the first half is a really enjoyable love story, uh, which we, I mean, Chris, it's, it's so heavily dependent on Chris Pratt's performance as the lone man. I will say this movie is completely mismarketed. It's misleading in what this movie's about. Uh, and you figure out what the movie's actually going to be about like pretty early on. Uh, I don't really know why they decided not to market it that way, but mm-hmm. uh, that's another discussion. Um, but I think Pratt and Lawrence worked really well together. Uh, their romance story was definitely the best section of the movie. Uh, then once it, once it became sort of the action flick at the end of, all right, we got to do, we got to go here. We got to jump into space. We got to turn off this flaming ball to save our lives and the lives of everybody else. Uh, that didn't work as well. And especially because of the way Jennifer Lawrence learns about what's happened mm-hmm. to her and why she's awake and everything. Her eventual flip back to, Oh, I care about you. And yeah. she's like, Nope, sorry that I don't think you do. <laughs> I don't think you should. You do. You might, but you definitely shouldn't. Uh, I definitely think the one of the better parts of the movie is Michael Sheen as the bartender. Anytime they would go to the bar, I was like, All right, this is great. I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though the ending gets a little crazy, it uh, doesn't work as well, I, st- I still was 
pretty much entertained throughout the entire movie. I wasn't really ever bored by it. Um, so I can't say it's a great movie, but I did still enjoy it. Uh, and I'll give it three ticket stubs out of five. Yeah. Uh, I have to uh, totally agree with you about Michael Sheen. He seems like the type of guy that you could just go be best friends with. Mm-hmm. So anytime they showed up, there's like, oh, what's he going to say today? What's he going to ask about? Or, you know, what's ever happening? But yes, this was... This could have been two movies, two different movies. You could have done one where it's Chris Pratt, you know, doing his best Will Smith, I Am Legend, where nothing is happening, you know, obstinately in the first quarter, maybe. Yeah. Uh, But just him acting on screen, being the guy that we've come to love over the last, you know, four years. Um, And then we get the, we get, probably what what is gold him and jennifer lawrence's chemistry on screen together uh through everything and like you said uh after that golden part of the movie and everything starts to fall apart we get to the the problem where the magic kind of broke down for Mm me and that was uh not so much the saving of the ship because that entire sequence was super epic and in no way um, can get, you know, crapped on or whatever the case may be. But the idea that Jennifer Lawrence is character is all of a sudden like, you know, like, like, like you said, flipping back. Like he, this guy like basically stole your entire life from you uh, pretty selfishly. And then all of a sudden you're like, you yelled, Oh, the, it's like the Titanic line. Like, you die, uh, I if die? You, if, you, if you die, I die. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's in the trailer, too. And I was like, I was like, I don't... Wait, no. what? <laughs> yeah. And it, it didn't... It, um, I always hope scenes play better in the movie than they do in the trailers. And that was one that just... It was just like, after everything, I was like, uh, what? Yeah. And maybe in the... You know, with adrenaline going uh, and all that jazz. Um, but the, the believability stopped there. Uh, but I will say this though, the, the setup and the scenes and the entire atmosphere of the Avalon, Avalon Mm -hmm. was incredible. And if maybe you do like a movie with the premise of this only, you know, skip the parts where Chris Pratt is, you know, being a selfish tool, uh, you have a great movie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that really, really dinged it. And I I'm going to give it two out of five ticket stubs. Okay. I think, yeah, actually, I would have preferred it more if it completely lost the ending and changed it up where you're following, you you stick the same, and I guess this is potential spoilers, I guess, but you stick with the same beginning where it's Chris Pratt, he's woken up for some unknown reason. You don't mm-hmm. ever have to answer why. Uh, and then it's him being alone for a year on a spaceship, and then he decides, I'm going to wake up this girl and then it's their just journey together on this ship trying to figure out why they woke up and then eventually she figures out yeah you woke me up and that it's it's just a character piece on how does that affect their relationship mhm do they just grow apart and then they live in separate quarters of the spaceship until they die oh wow yeah uh, or do they eventually come back together on their own decisions not because Oh, we're we're all gonna die. So uh, I still love you, mm-hmm. and then it's just like it doesn't work as well, right? So I think that's maybe oh, the wow, way yeah. I would have liked to see it. And then you could go more thriller. You get kind of 
uh, Chris Pratt is more of a deranged, almost psychopath. Because <laughs> yes. he, he kind of he plays that part kind of pretty well uh, when he's allowed to because he's super creepy. Uh, and he just has like an uncontrollable beard and everything. And it's like I could I could have seen that movie make it like an hour 45 would have been, I think, uh, really good. Yeah, there was like, uh, yeah, there's like three or four mini movies in here. Yeah. And uh, you could have taken it either which way. But I will, I mean, I will say this, though. A movie, the movie relies heavily on Chris Pat and Jennifer Lawrence. And for the first, oh, geez, 90 minutes or so, it really works. I would say. Uh, the first three and fourths of the film. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd say. I mean, it's it's really, yeah, yeah, probably three fourths. Yeah, I just saw another interesting idea that we should have seen the movie from Jennifer Lawrence's perspective. You wake up with her, and then oh, we find out with her man. that Chris Pratt's been alone, and then like we get we you get flashbacks to him as yeah uh, how he came to be awake, and you're just like, and then you learn, oh crap, this dude's literally insane mm-hmm. and then it's almost a horror yeah. piece in space i think that would have been another great way to go yeah as well. finding items and things misplaced throughout the ship that allude to yeah his oh man yeah that idea came from peter uh scaretta from slash film so oh, yeah that's a genius idea yes uh but uh you have any other thoughts on passengers you want to move to assassin's creed i think i'm about good on passengers i was very disappointed this was on my most anticipated list of the year and deceptive marketing and a little bit of uh, an interesting ending um, really kind of sunk it for me. Yeah. yeah. This is one that was number three I on the most on... anticipated list at the beginning <laughs> of the year. Uh, and throughout the year has gotten little, continued less excitement for it just because the trailers never blew me away. I wasn't a, like, there's just nothing to really get me in mm-hmm. where at the very beginning before just on the premise alone of, it's these two people. They woke up mysteriously. One of them knows why. You got to figure out. And you're just like, okay, I like that. I like the director, Morton Tildum. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I love Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, but, yeah, I think it, it definitely did not meet my expectations. Um, yeah. But it's certainly, at least for me, I don't think, if you're say, I don't think you can say it's one of the worst films of the year. No, I, mean, I don't think so either. But uh, another one that's gotten kind of that same mark has been Assassin's Creed. Uh, I've seen people say it is the worst film of the year, uh, saying it is worse than uh, Independence Day Resurgence, uh, worse than Warcraft, worse than uh, even like, I I don't know. We were saying it's the worst film of the year. I don't agree with that. Um, It's certainly not a great film, but it is entertaining in parts, I'll say that like easily, and I, th- I mean, this is kind of the consensus that it is definitely at its best when it's back in fourteen, the fourteen hundreds, yeah, fourteen eighty two or something um, like that, yeah. And I mean, when it's back there, you're with uh, Michael Fassbender uh, as Aguilar, him as an assassin, going through trying to find the apple uh, in the back, and it just would have, if that was the whole movie, it would have absolutely been great. I mean, the action in that is awesome. Unfortunately, it, it keeps cutting back and forth between the action in the past and then Michael Fassbender in the Animus doing like the 
the actions like in a hologram like in a hologram form yeah which raised the question for me was like if he's like in the past and like the projection of his mind is giving him like a staff or a bow and arrow to use mm-hmm. why does he have to like actually put on the assassin gauntlets i was like that doesn't make any sense because uh, he's not actually going to like stab anybody in real life but anyways uh it looks and feels like the games especially in the past but even in the present day uh when you're with the you're with the company and you're with Michael Fassbender as uh, Callum Lynch in the present day and figuring out what's going on, what the Templars are, what his past is with his parents. The aesthetic still looks like it does in the games, and from that perspective, I think that's where Justin Cursell did a pretty good job with it. Um, it it just it feels like it would go seamlessly with the Assassin's Creed kind of brand. It definitely looks like it looks the part even though it necessarily doesn't play the part uh, particularly well. I've, I, I think Fassbender did a fine job in the lead. I wasn't never, I wasn't blown away by him. Same with uh, Marion Cotillard. Uh, I thought uh, Jeremy Irons was kind of wasted uh, as like the head of the organization. And then Michael K. Williams is just like, he's just there. Yeah. And you're just like, I want to, <laughs> I want to know about this guy, but you never do. Uh, it fo- yeah, I mean, it focused way too much on the Templars' current plans in the present day of if you get the Apple of Eden, we can stop, we can control free will and end violence. It's like, okay, interesting premise, I guess. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, I guess last thing I'll say is it confidently sets up a sequel with just like Michael Fassbender, Michael K. Williams, and another person just standing in present day on top of the roof, and you're just like, okay. And then, like, there's this weird, like, part where Fassbender's in the animus and like all his previous ancestors like appear around him are talking with him even though they're not like connected to it I don't know it was really weird and then like Marion Cotillard I believe I saw her see herself in that and I was like that doesn't make any sense Um, but it was still very cool when it was in the past I wish it could have been there more even when it was in the present even though it wasn't as good I still was interested in kind of seeing what Callum Lynch was figuring out, seeing how he was dealing with uh, the blood something where he's like seeing Aguilar. Uh, he like sees like his former... Oh, the, the bleeding effect? The bleeding from effect, the yeah. From the animus, animus to the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like seeing that. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm going to... I might be generous here, but I still... I came out of the movie and be like, I was interested throughout. I wasn't bored. I was entertained so three ticket stubs out of five hmm. yeah okay uh so here the thing is i know about these games i've had friends talk to me about these games so i knew the setup i knew the premise i knew what to look for and uh kind of how things were gonna go um in terms of what an assassin's Creed video game is like and if you didn't know that and if you just got dropped into this and watched uh, Callum Lynch get whisked away to um, Abstergo, uh, the yeah. place in France where there they do medical research and video game entertainment, <laughs> which we find out very late in the movie. Uh, you're just like, what the heck is going on? And then all of a sudden, they get ready to plug him into that animus, which no one explains aptly to him other than it uses genetic memories mm-hmm. to take you back to your past 
to watch your awesome ancestor kick some serious butt during the Spanish Inquisition. You have you're you're taken out of the movie until we get to follow Aguilar save the, in his attempts to save the prince uh, to avoid being captured and burned at the stake, and then ultimately getting um, the apple of Eden rescued mm-hmm. from the Sultan. So that's ultimately your the only parts that you can connect with, and. If that whole movie, like you said, was about the Spanish Inquisition and Aguilar, you'd have no problem with it because it's awesome. From the parkour to uh, the sweeping aerial shots of, you know, historic Spain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is just absolutely incredible. I, I don't remember what the significance of the eagle is and why the, that's The flying. eagle is in the games. That's how they, anytime you go to a new city... Or you go up on a eagle perch, yeah, and then you you scan the city, so then you can see you get you get the layout on your map, and you can see okay, here's a quest here, here's sure. some here's something here. It's the purpose of that. So then I liked as a player of the game seeing them incorporate. I think they incorporated it too much, yeah, because it's just like any time the camera moved anywhere, just like <laughs> follow yes. the eagle. But I, I liked the throwback of okay. We're gonna set up the area you're playing with uh, specifically in like the probably the biggest action sequence. Mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender's like running through a building, and then they get to like this, uh, like old, it's like currently being constructed part where there's like yeah, uh, like uh, water. Uh, I don't know, like, it's like stuff on waterfalls. But anyways, uh, and like you get the eagle to fly around there, so you see, okay, this is the this is the playground now. This is the area we're gonna fight in. And then you understand, okay, they can go here, here, here. Yeah. I, I, I liked the way they did that. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was very cool. I didn't know why the eagle was popping up. I was like, okay, we get to see this eagle show us what's going down, which was great. Um, but ultimately, like, when we weren't in the past, the future or the present day with uh, Callum Lynch was just so left right and then you hear about this plot that these uh templars have but we don't know they're templars yet we just know they're scientists trying to cure the world of aggression um and then by the time we figure out that they're they belong to a secret order the movie's broken down so much that you just don't care uh and that comes from all those elements that you mentioned of callum lynch like seeing uh parts of the animus in his head but then you know breaking the machine and then getting it infused in his head yeah, that at the was same weird. time no explanation um so after all of that uh i would give it like two and a half ticket stubs because so much of the movie uh just captured me in that 14th century mm-hmm. uh 15th century yeah, Spain because it was amazing and the subtitles, they worked great. Yeah, I they didn't did. have a problem with it. And they were definitely there was definitely a lot less because a lot of like the fourteen hundred stuff is all action, mm-hmm. so you don't need the subtitles really at all. Yeah. for most of it. So yeah, I, I I know I kind of was like oh, I don't know if that's gonna work, but yeah, it, it didn't bother me at all. It really made me feel like I was watching something from the History Channel. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this is awesome. So yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. I mean, I think I I may have liked it more just because I was a player of the games, and then I kind of knew, okay, these are the Templars. They're using the assassins and all this stuff, yeah. and I, maybe I was more forgiving because of that. I I don't understand what they did with the leap of faith, because in the games, that's like 
That's it, that, right? That is the thing you do. Like, you go up to the highest building in any city, and then there's a hay bale or there's something down below that you can jump into, and then you, you do it because that's just, like, it's super cool. And then they did it the one time, and he broke the machine. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and then Miriam Cotillard, who... Uh, standing off to the side she's like leap of faith yeah and we're like what is the leap of faith what does that do is there something yeah. special but that's what like we get nothing i don't know like they made it seem like nobody survived a leap of faith before mm-hmm. i was like wait a minute that's like that's the thing you do in assassin's creed outside of parkour and stuff yeah so that like that didn't make any sense to me at all so yeah it another thing i want to bring up that was just kind of like i think i mentioned it um but can we move into a little bit of spoilers yeah. here uh but we learn about maybe the third, the beginning of the final act of the movie that that these people are part of the ancient order of Templars that want to enslave mankind. Kind of. And they mention like all these ways that they've been trying to do it, and then you finally get the idea of this is an international organization that's existed throughout time to um, bring order to the world, you know, in air quotes. And the assassins are the people trying to you know keep free will and uh for mankind and you're like and when as soon as i learned that i was like why hasn't why hasn't this been you know the idea from the very beginning and why is you know cal lynch or, or nobody else in the uh abstergo medicals prison or whatever that wherever they are the animus facility telling him that because there's all these other assassins with him, like Michael K. Williams, and they're just like, protect the apple, man. Protect it. Don't tell him. And it's like, why won't you tell him? And then that lets Miriam Cotillard get to spin her side of things, and Jeremy yeah. Iron get to spin his side of things. And everything was so hollow and, you know, uh, very flat that this world that I know exists uh, didn't get to see the light of day. And mm-hmm. that kind of sucks. Yeah, I think... I mean, I, I know I'm definitely on the favorable side of it and definitely the minority um, on it, but I, I feel like this movie's kind of gotten a harsher treatment than most just because it is a video game movie, mm-hmm. and there's that bad stigma that comes that comes with that. Uh, as of right now, where to a lot of people, there has never been a good uh, movie based on a video game. Um, like Prince of Persia is a guilty pleasure of mine where... I know we've discussed that before. Jake Gyllenhaal classic. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love Jake Gyllenhaal and that movie is just as entertaining. I think as Assassin's Creed, I think they both have definite problems, but at least that one embraced, you know, the game to a degree Mm -hmm. and set itself entirely back in that time. I think that was the problem with this is studios now with video game movies are so scared about them that, okay how do we modernize it how do we make it work with like with present day yeah and if they would just be like nope we're gonna make a movie intro you intro you do the same intro where it's Callum Lynch he dies or he quote-unquote dies and then uh he he goes to the Abstergo and then they they bring him in they're like okay you we you have an ancient lineage connected to assassins we're trying to get this Go in the game, see if you can go it like use the animus and see if you can figure out where it is. Mm-hmm. Perfect, and then you do that and you stay in the you stay in the fourteen hundreds for twenty minutes, take a break because you can't 
at least in the games, you can't stay in there for too long without frying your brain or just doing harm in your body. Yeah. Um, so then he comes out, he goes to sleep for five minutes. You wake up, then you like you you switch again. You go back there. I I think that would have been definitely the best way to go about it. Um, but I think studios are just too scared that audiences are gonna be like, oh, a movie set in the 1500s? No, no, no. I'm, right. I'm not gonna see that. Yeah. And they're like, oh well, if we if we modernize it and put Michael Fassbender in the present day and Jerry Irons and Marion Cotillard, then it will work. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't. It, uh, so I mean, without I mean, I want to talk specifics because I don't want to say like what they should have done for story. Mm-hmm. And I because I think that's a that's a slippery slope. Yeah. But. Um, Ultimately, when you're drawing from a video game lore or, you know, video game titles, there's so much built up because they can pack it all in because they want to, you know, eke out 60 hours of gameplay for you. Uh, if I were, it, tell me if I'm wrong, but there's, it's, there's two warring factions that have been, you know, throughout time, the Assassins and the Templars from, you know, the dawn of time to present day. Mm-hmm. And they've almost like turned themselves into corporations in yeah. a sense too. And they're, you know, fighting over... Uh, trying to keep people, you know, docile or keeping people, you know, out and moving type of a deal. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that idea. Like, why couldn't we just maybe get an assassin who has no idea of his lineage in modern day, seeing some parkour and like, you know, a metropolis type city and then drop him into the past, then bring him back to the future to see him, you know, challenge the present day, uh, embodiment of the templars i mean i think you could do that i mean that's that's that idea initially hasn't really ever been as far as i've seen uh or played been experimented with in the games um so i don't know if uh because this movie definitely takes a lot of influences from the very first assassin's creed Mm -hmm. uh the apple of eden is the MacGuffin in that game. That's where the final battle is all about is you fight a guy who has possession of the apple so okay I think there, I mean, there may be a way to like do a modern day mixture of it, um, but definitely, it, I, I don't know, but it can't be done in this way where he's he's captured by the Templars. It would have to be an instance where the assassins have their own animus, uh, and they could then send people back. Otherwise, you have to go through. Okay. This assassin got kidnapped by the Templars. He learns that they are Templars. He learns that he's an assassin. That yeah. He actually hates the Templars. And then it's him breaking out uh, in a sense. Uh, and to that aspect, I actually thought this movie was going to end like 10 minutes before it did. Oh, yeah. Like right when all the assassins break out of, uh, or what's it called? Obtego? Abstergo? Abstergo? Yeah. Whatever. And... Uh, and like Michael Fassbender is like standing there, like on like the edge of the building. He was gonna go like jump onto a helicopter, and I was like, "Oh, they're totally just gonna end it here, and this is gonna be the assassins' layer in modern day." And I was like, "That'd been a really cool idea." It's like, "Nope, we're gonna go kill Jeremy Irons and get the apple back." And I was like, "Yeah, in this okay. super operaic type situation where yeah. everyone's in robes and the assassins get in there, and then this, yeah, it's not it's not graphic, but it's just like this." very dramatic overly dramatic mm-hmm. throat slit of jeremy irons with the apple and then the next thing you know they're out of there and then um Miriam cote yards like uh 
I'm going to get my revenge yeah. or something cheesy like that where you're like, okay, yeah, we get it. Your dad's yeah. dead. Go find him. Go yeah. Find them. I mean, yeah, this is definitely a movie. I think if it ever, if it for somehow got a sequel, I would be interested to see what direction they would take. Same here. Even like, I like this a lot more than I did Warcraft mainly because Warcraft, the ending just made no sense to me. Oh, um, Warcraft. But I would still be interested to see a sequel to Warcraft because the world they set up and introduced was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I liked uh, the main orc guy. But for here, I, yeah, I would like to see what if Fastbender, Michael K. Williams, and whatever the uh, other person was, that like it's them three maybe are the only assassins left in modern day. What are they going to do to try to rebuild their their group? Take on the Templars? Do they take up the, that Abstergo base? Um, I just think there's I think there's a lot of ways you could go about it, especially making it your own. Like I know, like um, in Assassin's Creed two, I think or three, uh, the main guy in the first couple of games he ends up uh, breaking out of Abstergo. Uh, at hmm. the end of I think one uh, the game one and or two and then this happens in three but whatever the case is uh, and then he there's a, there's a girl who's very much Marion Cotillard's character in the games uh, who like his who always administers his um, journeys I guess into yeah. the animus and she help, she's actually a uh, assassin and she because, gets him out because you see because like at the very beginning of the movie I think you missed this part. Uh, because our theater showed two previews, like that was it. Like that's right, I did show Blade. Carmack's being really weird, but like normally the assassins lose uh, the ring finger, so that way the blade can go out and it doesn't slice their fingers, mm-hmm. which is smart. Um, and then in the games, it's revealed like it shows her hand and she's missing that finger. You're like, oh crap! Like she's she's on your side. She breaks you out, and then she's built her own animus and then you guys go on your separate adventure uh, for a game two or three. But I think that's a way they could go. Maybe that would be a way they go in the third one where Marion Cotillard is a descendant of the assassin lineage. And Mm -hmm. then she knows how she's the one that invented the animus. And then it's her taking down the Templar organization that they've, that she has served for so long. Um, I, I mean, that's definitely the long game plan I would think, but I don't think there's any chance we get that unless this movie just does exponentially well overseas or something. Always that possibility. I mean, that's what happened with Warcraft. There's still rumors that a Warcraft sequel could come. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just because I'm too invested in the games. And I like the games too much that I, I want to see this more because I do think it's a great premise. The action in this movie is awesome. Uh, and I think Kurzel did a really good job of uh, bringing that to the big screen. Definitely. Uh, so I would love to see more. I don't think it's going to ever happen, uh, which bumps me out. But uh, if I ever like bought this on Blu-ray or something, I'd definitely probably just watch the 1400 stuff mm-hmm. and skip all the rest of it. Sure. Uh, and then I do want to say, I mean, we did see this year the Jungle Book, which was too removed from the car- original cartoon and very much its own Jungle Book take mm-hmm. uh, this time around. And I, I I think I I keep thinking maybe if they hadn't been so attached to the the core of this they could have made something exponentially better where you have a, some deeper looks at character and uh backstory and motive but um I mean I can think of Resident Evil mm-hmm. they're on their sixth movie and I haven't heard too many people complain that you know it's not like the games 
Uh, yeah, also, I heard too many people say, man, that movie was great. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they just keep making them because they're cheap. It's very, it's very much a cult following, I guess, now. But um, I, I think good things can happen when you agree to divorce yourself from the source material mm-hmm. when you can. Yeah. Especially, I mean, video games have popped up, you know, Assassin's Creed's like, what, 2008? You have, yeah, I think so. You're not dealing with Marvel comics where you have 30, 40, 50 years of years lore. In some cases, yeah, yeah, of lore to deal with and fans to appease. So I think maybe if you're a studio, just go for the gold on making a good movie instead of appeasing. Yeah. Well, you know, but the fans. problem there is, I mean, this movie was co-produced by Ubisoft, uh, who's the maker of these games. So obviously, they're not going to be like, oh well. They're going to want to make a movie that closely resembles their games. That way people like it. They go play the games. It's, it feels the same. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't want to make a movie that's completely opposite of the games, misadvertise their product, and then have people be upset when they buy the games. I don't think that'd be the case. Because even, even if this movie was such a departure from the games, but it still had the same Element. assassins, Themes. elements, and yeah. action stuff, and you go pick up Black Flag or something, uh, that would be still an enjoyable game because all the action stuff is still the same. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's just that difficult part of, okay, well I have to get uh, the studio or the game studio to not be as creatively involved with the movie. So we have free reign over, okay, well we can do this and this, but that's, that's a hard thing to ask a studio. Okay. Can we use your IP, mm-hmm. but you don't have any say on what we do with it? Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately if you profit share, right, you can easily get on. But this this makes me a little bit uneasy going forward looking at another video game movie that I'm excited to see take shape. And that's The Division, which I believe is a Ubisoft property too. Yes. But it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and supposedly Jessica Chastain mm-hmm. attached. And I mean, listen, I, I, Prince of Persia is still my favorite movie. You attach Gyllenhaal <laughs> to it, especially with Chastain. Uh, you've got two great actors. Yeah. So I mean, even like... Tomb Raider, you got Alicia Vikander Absolutely. and Walter Goggins now as the villain. I think there's potential to eventually have like a universally liked, not loved, but just a universally liked video game movie. Uh, I don't think even if Tomb Raider fails, even if uh, The Division fails, even if whatever other movie based on video game gets made, I don't think they'll ever stop trying because any studio wants to be the first one to say we made we broke the code yeah <laughs> we made a good video game movie does angry birds count as a video game movie uh i guess so yeah i hmm. mean i don't think again i don't know if i was universally loved or not or even liked it's true i don't know what it has like rotten tomatoes or something but uh i i mean yeah I don't know. I would say Assassin's Creed is my favorite video game movie of the year. If we include Angry Birds, it would be yeah. Assassin's agree. Creed, Warcraft, and Angry Birds. Oh wow, that's some serious shade in maybe, Angry Birds. Maybe I don't know. That's that's a that's a close one. <laughs> well, uh, Assassin's Creed, great movie in the 1400s. In the 1400s, a lot of problems, some serious sweet action. Yes, uh, but uh, that's that's it for this year. Wow, twenty sixteen. We got fifty one episodes in in fifty two weeks. Uh, pretty incredible. Good. Yeah, on a podcast, what was supposed to be bi weekly. Yes, <laughs> yeah. we were supposed to do it every other week, and then 
this happened. So 2017 looks to be a big year for movies. Uh, I guess we'll probably be recording an episode on the last day of 2016, mm-hmm. but you'll hear it on the in 2017. So yes, this will be the very last one uh, you hear in 2016. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the journey throughout the year with the Friends and Film Podcast. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, throughout the year. A lot of great movies. We got a chance to review, talk about a lot of cool news that we're uh, looking forward to then eventually seeing on screen uh, at the turn of the year as well. Uh, next week, we're not really sure what we're going to be reviewing because we're just not sure. There's no definitive plans as of this moment, but we'll be reviewing something or at the very least we'll do a uh, top 10 of 2016 final list, even though there's still Oscar movies that we've not had the chance to see because uh, we don't live in Oscar counties. <laughs> uh, Far from. Yeah. But uh, even if we don't do that, maybe a 2017 most anticipated, get that knocked out. We'll have something for you guys next week. Uh, most likely, but during time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by tweeting us at Friends and Film, where you receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can follow me, Josh, at Just Joshua Ryan. Ooh, changed it up. Yeah. Oh, so I messed up your intro then. No, I didn't. Because I, we, we don't, don't, do, have, we don't do it anymore. Yeah. Good. Anyways, uh, if you did enjoy this episode or if you enjoyed the last 51 episodes, uh, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and then share this episode specifically on any social media you can. Subscribe to our accounts uh, so you can get updates on when we post new episodes immediately. Uh, Josh, any last words? Hey, thank you guys for stopping in. Yeah, thanks for tuning in once again to the Friends of the Film Podcast. Be sure to come back next year Ooh. for uh, the continued journey with the podcast.